lift your hands and sing worthy. No matter what it looks like today, no matter, no matter what it looks like right now, we just choose to say you're worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. 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 We refuse to look at everything else. We, uh, this is a crazy time. Um, how many of you know it's crazy? But how many of you know the Bible says don't say it's crazy? Do not think it's strange concerning all the fiery trials which is to try you. You know, don't think it's strange. Just things that were made for the moment and the time. Uh, let's just pray. And then I want to share some things that the Lord gave me in the middle of the night. It wasn't last night, like uh, a couple weeks ago. Was, but uh, anyway, the Lord gave me some things for the times in which we're living. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. 
Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that, um, that you are ruling and reigning in the midst of all the chaos. I thank you that we have a place of refuge. But Lord, that, that your son is our refuge. He's a very present help. You are a very present help in time of need. And so we thank you, Lord, that we've been called to this time. And we thank you that we have more than enough to make it. We have more than enough to be everything you've said that we are. You said we're more than conquerors. You said we are overcomers in this life. And so we are honored, Lord. We thank you that you've summoned us to the year 2020. And as we get ready to go into 2021, in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 59 and 60. I want to just set the course real quick, and it won't take very long this morning. But there are two specific evils that you and I are going to be confronted with from here on out. Do you know what Isaiah 59 and 60 tells us, those two evils? Can anybody remember? The first one is when the enemy comes in like a flood. How many of you know there's a flood arising right now in our nation, a flood of corruption, deception, you know, and uh, I just saw where those that speak the truth get censored. I think we're being censored this morning. I would figure that. You know, but they're not going to censor God's word in this hour. We're still going to sound the alarm. We're going to blow the trumpet. And if God has to raise up children to get his word out, it's going to happen. In fact, he's going to raise up children to get his word out in this hour. But number one, there's a flood that's coming of wickedness, of deception, and of darkness, all these things. And then secondly, when darkness covers the earth. Remember that? Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But what does God say he's going to do in the midst of that, in all these things? He's going to raise up what? A standard. Now, just to remind you, we've looked at this before. Standard means vanishing or to subside or to chase away. So God, in the midst of all that's rising up in this hour, he's raising up a standard that will chase away the flood that's rising on our watch. In fact, he gives us, he mentions in specific a number of ways that that standard's going to happen. You can look it up later. It said, but number one, the Redeemer will come. How many of you know the, the answer for this moment is the message of redemption? That Jesus still, he's the one that was sent of the Father to buy us back, to redeem us out of this broken, sin-infested world there's hope, there's an eternity that he's promised. So there's the Redeemer. Secondly is his covenant. Say his covenant. His promises. His promises are what? They're yes and amen. You find the promise of God that's been given to you, you can stand on it. You don't have to be talked out of it. The enemy will always try to talk you out of it, what you've been called to and what he's promised you. And then number three was my spirit who is upon you. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us, he's also going to be what? Upon us for this hour and enable us to do his word. And then also my words which I put in your mouth. You can look all this up later. It's all in Isaiah 59 and in Isaiah 60. But my word which I put in your mouth. Why would he put his word in our mouth? So that we'll speak it. So in other words, they may try to censor, they may censor me. They're not going to censor the word of God. It ain't going to happen. And then the next thing, remember, is the truth. Isaiah 59 talks about the truth that had fallen in the streets. How many of you remember what I'm talking about? I'm giving you a quick summary so I can get to what I need to share this morning. But the truth, not the truth kept in our heart is going to set anyone free. It's the truth that we speak. The truth will set people free, but it has to be the spurred, the truth that's made known. Also, justice. The Lord says he, his vengeance is going to be made known. His justice and his righteousness. So righteousness is part of that standard. And then also the fear of the Lord. You can read this in Isaiah 59. God's going to raise up the fear of the Lord. How many of us have been hearing all of our lives that's going to be a, a new fear of God that he's going to raise up? Well, he's going to do that. He's just going to take care of it. But then I saw something this week that I'd never seen before in regard to what that standard is. 
In other words, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you can look it up in the Hebrew. It says that he himself, the Lord, will raise up a wind that he will drive across the land. So it's a wind of God that he's going to raise up to combat the works of darkness and the flood that is arising. Do you get all that? Now go with me. This is what I got in the middle of the night. Jeremiah chapter 12. Well, this is an amazing time to live. You guys, are you ready? I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. I don't know, are you hearing the same things I'm hearing that's going on today in the nation? I don't know all that, that's true. I don't know. I know that there's a lot of misinformation. How many of you found out you cannot believe everything you hear? I'm to the point now, to me, let, let God be true and every man a liar. Now, I don't, I'm not saying every man's a liar. But compared to God's truth, then men are going to fall far short. Because I'm going to trust in what God said and not in what, what men say. But if anything of what men are saying is happening that are in the know, you know, we're kind of here in this place of refuge, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We can, you know, cover our eyes and cover our ears and pretend, you know. But if just this bit of what they say is happening... We better know what God is say is happening, and we better be rooted and grounded and, and excited about the times in which we're living. So Jeremiah chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now this is the same, it leads to the same scripture that David Hogan shared from the pulpit not too many months ago, but it's also the same scripture that I wrote a book. It's out in the, the bookstore. It's the same theme scripture of that is found in this chapter. But verse 1, it says, Righteous are you, O Lord. When I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Now, he's going to ask the Lord three specific questions. These are questions that I have in my own mind. We're probably, you probably are with me, you're asking the Lord these same things. And so the first one is, in verse 1, he says, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Now, the word prosper speaks of, of more power. And so he's asking, God, why does it seem like the wicked are actually gaining the advantage? Lord, when are you going to step in and put an end to it? That's basically what Jeremiah is asking. And then the next thing is in the end of verse 1. Why are those happy who are dealing so treacherously? Now, if you look up the word treacherously, it means betrayal, treason. Lord. Why are those who committing treason, why do they seem like they're so happy that they've gotten away with it? And then you look down in verse 4, here's the third question. How long, here he is, Jeremiah, how long, Lord, will the land mourn? And he gives you the reason for it. How long will the land mourn? And it says at the end of that, for the wickedness of those who dwell there. And it says, because they said he will not see our final end. In other words, there were those in Jeremiah's day that thought they were going to get away with their treason. They were going to get away and know they would not be held accountable. But God's going to rise up. And this is how he answers Jeremiah. Are you ready for this? Because this is what we need to get to. In all that's happening this morning, this is what I feel like... We need to know. So here's what the Lord says to Jeremiah. Okay. If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? Did you hear that? How many of you heard that? If, if you've been weary by just the little acts of treason that you've heard about, what are you going to do when the horses show up on your front porch? And... If in the land of peace, you know we had relatively peace over the last, what, four years? Well, kind of. Not really. But, th but compared to what yet might come, it's been pretty peaceful. And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, if they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? 
Now you know that scripture right there is why I'm probably standing here this morning because back when we lived in West Virginia, Rick Joyner had written that vision on the harvest, remember? Back in those days, the harvest. And he really emphasized that during the whole time of the harvest, what would happen? Anybody remember? The Jordan would overflow its banks during the whole time of the harvest. Now, the Jordan represents the passing through. It speaks of death. So, in other words, at the time of the harvest, there's also going to be a great flood that's going to come upon the earth. Let me, um, let me give you another translation of that verse. This is, I think, the Amplified. It says, if you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, then how can you compete with the horses? And if you take to flight in the land of peace where you feel secure, then what will you do when you tread the tangled maze of jungle haunted by lions and the swelling of the Jordan? Now, if you look in verse 6, he goes on and and uh, God is trying to let Jeremiah know, Jeremiah, for even your brothers in your own land, in your own father's house, have dealt treacherously with you. Yet they have called their multitude after you. In other words, they are full steam ahead. He says, do not believe them, for even though they speak smooth words to you. In other words, God wants them to hear what he has to say and not what they have to say. Does that make sense? You guys still with me? I'm trying to catch up. There seemed to have been a little bit of extra. Well, I can believe it. Man, let me tell you. If you think the enemy's not going to get riled up at you in this hour, then you have another thought coming. I'm telling you, this is going to be a day of great warfare, but it's going to be a day of great victory. There'll be no victories without great warfare. I think uh, Devin... He shared a lot of things last week from the guy from Baton Rouge, but he was talking about how the calling of God on this place must be obviously great because the warfare seems to be endless. And I thought, well, that's probably really the word of the Lord. And uh, that's encouraging to me. So they actually get encouraged over stuff like that. Now, you know, I saw this week Lance Wannell said, those who have stood for truth, in this hour, much grace will be given to them to stand in the days that we're about to face. So I'm grabbing hold of that. I, and uh, because we've tried our best to stand for truth, we tried to raise up that banner. Somebody told me years ago, they said they saw a banner of truth being raised up from this building. So we've been trying to do that the best we know how to do. We've been trying to raise a standard of truth while many people hadn't even wanted to talk about it. But it's okay with me. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, there's so much I could get into about that text. I should tell you this, though. Look at the last verse of that chapter. I'm not going to get into everything this morning. We'll come back and look at it later. But God makes a distinction. Okay, now, he's heard the complaints of Jeremiah. He's heard these three questions. How long, Lord? Are the treacherous going to continue to deal treacherously and get away with it? How long will the land mourn? You know the land is mourning even now. What's the land? What's all creation waiting for? The revealing of the sons of God. So God has a remedy for the land mourning. The remedy is you and me. The sons of God rising up, obeying God, being filled with the glory and walking in obedience and doing what he's called us to do. Amen. That sets all of creation free. Does that make sense? Because yeah. the whole land's mourning right now. If we could, if we could see in, in the spirit, the land of America is probably crying out right now. I'm big time, you know, for example, the blood that's been spilled. I mean, that's one example, but I can think of many things. The land is probably crying out, moaning and groaning. Because he wants to experience the glorious liberty that you and I have been called into. Does that make sense? That's all New Testament. So anyway, God's making a distinction. And he wants Jeremiah to know that, that though it may not go well with those 
that are dealing treacherously, it's going to go well with you if you'll put your trust in me. But look in verse 16, and it shall be, here's what God is saying to those who were dealing treacherously in the land, and it shall be if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal. When I read that, I thought, you know, what's been taught in our universities over the last number of years and in our school system? Basically, a Babylonian system, antichrist. And so the Lord is saying, if if they turn from their own ways and they turn to me, then they will be, it says, established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I, Jeremiah chapter 12 is a serious book. And we really need to spend a whole lot of more time than we're going to today. But here's what God gave me. There's a guy that died this week. He was an American hero. Did you, did you see it? Chuck Yeager. How many of you knew what he did? You remember. He was the pilot that broke the speed of sound, Remember. 700 miles per hour. It actually launched the space program because it brought us to where we'd never been before. And that man, would, to my, sound like he was a godly man. I, I don't know, you know, all the story, but he was, he was a hero. But they made a movie based on his life. Do you remember the name of that movie? The Right Stuff. And they were saying in the movie that this man, Chuck Yeager, broke the speed of sound set the course for the generations that would follow, that he had the right stuff. And I agree with that. You know, the greatest generation, my grandfather, my father, my grandfather, my gr- those guys had the right stuff. Many of them did. How many of you know that? And uh, they, you know, they set the course for us to follow. And so this is what I felt like the Lord challenge me with that I was to share how do you know you're going to have the right stuff in the hour that we're living right now how do you know you're going to have the right stuff because I think we're in Jeremiah chapter 12 the wicked are on the rise they think they're going to get away with it they're only going to get away with it for a certain amount of time because God's going to use them to test our resolve He's going to use them to test whether we really have faith or whether we had a a form of faith. Does that make sense? You know, the Lord's not worried about our form of godliness. He wants to know, do you have the real godliness? Do you really follow Jesus? Have you taken up your cross and are you following him? Will I come to the earth? Will I really find faith on the earth? And when when I think of that scripture, my opinion is... Yes, you will. You know what I'm talking about? In me, you're going to. I don't care, come hell or high water. You're going to find faith in me. I'm not going to be talked out of what God's called me to. I'm not going to back down. You're going to have to have that too. Or you might, because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So how do you know you got the right stuff? Here's, Here's what it is. Number one, There's a conviction deep inside of you that you know you've been called to this hour. I want to ask you, how many of you, I mean, be honest. Don't raise your hand and make me feel good. You're not going to make me feel good. I'm in the midst of the flames right now. I'm firing, man. I don't know. I'm not worried about it. But how many of you honestly feel deep in your heart that you are called to this moment in history? I want to see how many hands. That's all of us. You know who put that in us. He put it in us. Because you are called to this hour. Now we know we're called to the person of Jesus. Our highest calling is to be called unto him. To as many you know, as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. Even to those who believe on his name. But there's something deeper. There's a sense of calling in this hour, that I've been called to the year 2020. Well, I want to remind you, if you've been called to this past year, and this year was pretty rough, then you've also been called to the year 2021, regardless of what comes. I know there's all kinds of opinions out there. Again, I'm not really, I'm trying not to be swayed by the opinions. I'm not even swayed by prophecy. 
Now, I do not despise prophecy. How many of you know that? And I believe the prophets, because the Scripture says, if you want 2020 vision, you know, believe the prophets, and you'll prosper. I believe. But if the prophets miss it, miss it I'm not going to be messed up. My faith is not in that one that spoke that word. My faith is in the eternal word of which will endure forever. Because I remember the scripture that says where there are prophecies, they may fail. What won't fail is the love that God loves me with and the love that I'm to walk in. So anyway, I'm not hung up over prophecy. I think that's been one of our problems. We get excited about the latest prophetic word or the latest personality or the latest program or the latest plan. I'm more excited about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's who I've been called to. I'm his son. I'm going to follow him. He said I would hear his voice and another voice I will not follow. So that's our calling. But, in fact, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor and yourself as yourself, right? I cannot love my neighbor until I first love him. Then I'm sent to love my neighbor. I'll have the love that I, that I need to love my neighbor with. Does that make sense? So I understand this calling. First of all, I'm called to him. Then I'm called to go to the world. In fact, somebody said one time, they said the two great commands, other than love the Lord your God, is come unto me and then go into the world. Now, I found I have to do that every day. How many of you are like that? You got to come to him every day. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm so glad he said that. Because a lot of times I feel like I'm heavy laden here, Lord. Lord, have you read Fox News recently? Have you read what they're saying at CNN? God, this stuff is serious. He's not, he's not upset about it. That's why he said, come to me. I'm the peace that you need. I'm going to give you hope and all this. Anyway, you're on the same page I am. We, we live in the same world. There are no superheroes here. There's only one. His name is Jesus. So number one, you have to have this calling this deep sense that I'm called to the moment. Don't lose it. It's real. God put it in you. Because he's, in fact, if it's in you, he's got a plan for you for this time. Secondly, not only a deep sense of the calling, but an understanding that not only have you been called, but you've been chosen. Because many are the called, but few are the chosen. Now, we've given this explanation many times but you know that we have some people that hadn't you know I'd seen in a long I don't even know who these guys are I'm glad they're here but they've never heard this illustration so how do you know that how are you going to what what does that mean many of the called few of the chosen how many of you remember Shirley does good Shirley you listen Alex you remember it's like okay give you an example look at the door that look at that door back there it's like before you go out, and not too long from now, there's a word called written over the door. And when you go through it, you turn back around, what are you going to see? The word chosen. The chosen are the ones that respond to the call of God. It's like Isaiah. He said, he heard the call, who will go? Here am I, send me, right? And so it's that response. It's like when we were chosen, you know, when we played you know, all the games we played when you were kids. I still try to get Shirley to play some of those games. Hey, Shirley, you want to play hide-and-seek? She never wants to play anymore. Never, never. She doesn't want to play. So anyway, I play hide-and-seek with my dog. He plays. And Adeline, Adeline plays with me big time. Yeah, where is Adeline? I'll get to see her in a little bit. But anyway, it's like when you're chosen. Okay, you're on the field. And you got two guys choosing. And you, you, you ever been the last one they choose? Yeah. It makes you feel so rejected. What's, you know what I mean? What's wrong with me? They're choosing everybody but you. But then they finally, well, okay, you're the only thing left. I choose you. You know? Be honest. How many of you ever been there? You know what I mean? You know it made you feel. It made me feel rotten. But anyway, you still got on one of the teams. But in order to play, you had to get up and get in the game. 
You can't stand there all day and mully grub and wonder why they didn't choose you first. Just get in the game. Doesn't matter if you're first or last. This game, it really doesn't matter if you're first or last. It matters that you're in the game obeying the one that called you. Chosen. I was um, on, a, on a call this week with our friend from Hong Kong, you know, John Ward. He's one of the men that speaks into my life. And I, I bounce things off of him. You know, it's important you do those things. And I had not only him, but my friend down in Louisiana. And there's other people. But he was just reminding me. He says, you know, this generation, the way he speaks. You, we must understand we've been chosen into the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is, this, is, this is John. This is his language. And I'm trying to grasp everything he's saying. And I said, John, okay, now how do you define that? And he says, we've got to understand the authority that we have in Jesus in this hour. We're not just anybody. We're the sons of Almighty. And he, you know, he's just telling me like it is. And I'm listening and I'm thanking God that I have a connection like that. And, uh, but anyway, we're all chosen in this hour. You've been chosen. Do you know Jesus, he was the son of man, but he also was the son of God. He did not operate on this earth in the supernatural as the son of God. He operated as the son of man. A spirit-empowered son of man. And then he said, okay, the authority that I have now I give unto you. Go ye therefore. All authority has been given unto you. And so you know the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you and me. And so we have to understand we've been chosen. I, w- I want you to say this. Just say, I'm a, I am chosen generation. Say it. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm his own special people. I'm called to proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so you got to have that sense. Not only am I called, but I've responded, and therefore I'm among the chosen. A chosen of God. He doesn't choose junk. That means, I forget somebody, one of these guys said something. Made it, made it, well, all they said made sense, but there's one thing. But God chooses the precious. Chooses the precious. And then the next thing. There, to be the right stuff, you have to have an unconditional surrender. If you're going to make it in this hour, unconditional surrender. I remember when I was, you know, I was brought up in a denomination. We didn't raise our hands when you worship. I thought that seemed awful foolish. Why are you raising your hand? Who are you raising your hand to? And I was at a pastor's conference at Wheaton College. And um, we were worshiping the Lord, and my eyes were closed, and I heard the Holy Spirit. I'm just, now, this is back in the days. I'm just learning. I'm just, you know, growing in this, you know what I mean? I didn't know. They told me all that stuff was of the devil. Stay away from it. They told me. How many of you, you know, that you know what I'm talking about? You know, tongues, it's of the devil. So anyway, so I'm learning I'm doubting whether it's of the devil at that point in my life. And I'm just worshiping. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, raise your hands. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. And then he said, now listen, this is honest. He said, open your eyes. Open my eyes and a Presbyterian brother raised his hand. Sort of worshiping Jesus. And I thought, God, you mean you gave that Presbyterian what you wanted to give me. How'd you do that? And I, I made a prize. I said, God, next time. In fact, he's not even telling us now. He's just waiting for us to do it. You know what I mean? It's an un, and that's what he told me. It's a sign of an unconditional surrender. I don't know if they taught me that later on, but that's what it was to me at that moment. It meant I'm unconditionally surrendering. Now I know it means I worship, lifting my hands, exalting But I tell you, he's called us to an unconditional. Now, unconditional means there are no conditions. From this moment on, you're going to have to dump your conditions somewhere. I'm just telling you. Because some of the conditions that we're going to live in may not be that comfortable. It may not be an air conditioning room that he's called us to, but 
It's God's room. Anyway, does that make sense? Unconditional surrender. And then the next thing, to have the right stuff is going to demand that we have a courage that comes from above. We're going to have to be strong and courageous. Joshua, the Lord said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. You know what happens to cowards in the book of Revelation? Anybody know? They're thrown into the lake of fire. The first ones, that's first on the list. There's a lot of things in this hour that we could be afraid of, that we could be afraid of. But to be strong and courageous. Now here's the secret, I believe. The Lord said to Joshua, the Lord spoke. He said, you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I saw that. It meant three things. Number one, if he's the Lord, then he's the only Lord of your life. Does that make sense? So you don't have to fear anybody else's Lord because your Lord is Lord. He is God. There is none other. Secondly, not only is he the Lord, he must be your God. Your, the Lord, your God. Thirdly, is with you. He's with you. Can I tell you, that is one of the secrets in this, to make it, is to know the Lord your God is with you. Just say, he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. You may get tossed in the fire. Guess who will be with you in that fire? Guess who will be with you in the flood? He's the Lord your God is with you. And then what does the last part of that say? With you wherever you go. Now, to have, be, to have courage, here's what it means. Number one, it means to be established. You're established. You're, you're standing strong upon a solid foundation, regardless of the intensity of the storm. Number two, it means to harden. Now, it doesn't mean that we are, you know, those... Well, yeah, it does. It means to be hardened. I'm not going to explain that away. There's a certain hardness about us. We, are, we're, we may bend. We're not going to break. We're made of something that's not going to be shattered in this hour. Then it means to persist. To be courageous means you don't stop. The only thing that will defeat us in this hour is if we quit. If we do not quit, even the Lord said, endure to the end, you shall be saved. And so we persist. We endure all the way. And then be determined. Be determined. And be courageous. I'm going to pray that in just a few moments. I'm going to ask God, Lord, we, you said a supernatural courage. Because the courage the world gives is not that courageous. So we're going to have to have a heavenly courage. Does that make sense? And God wants to do it. And then to be the right stuff. And I'm just going to tell you the way he put it in me. Is that okay? We're going to have to be non-conformist. We went in a restaurant the other night. The sign in front of the restaurant was no mask, no service. My thought was... This sure sounds a lot like the mark of the beast to me. Because it said, in other words, what they're saying is, you will not buy and sell in this business establishment unless you abide by the governor's, governor's rules. And I thought, well, God, this is serious. I wonder if other people are seeing it serious. Like I'm seeing it's pretty serious. Lord, are we going to avoid all these things they mandate? And some of the things they're mandating, if you, be, you just do a little bit of study on it, you realize it ain't that good. I'm already determined they're not going to vaccinate me. I'm already, I'm not, I don't care. If they say I have to stay in my house, then they're going to have to figure out a way to keep me there. But I'm not. And they are trying to figure that out. How I many of you know that? You know, this is serious. This is not a time to go to sleep and hope you'll wake up. Because if you wake up, it's going to be just like it is. So the, alter, the alternative plan is, is to conform to the image of God. Yeah. 
That's Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the word of God. So we're good, right? Huh? Be renew- by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the word of God. Yes. By the word of God, not the word of the government. Wait a minute. I thought we already settled that question. The government is upon his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So if I'm yielded to his government, then I'm on the upswing. I'm not going down with the rest of the ship anyway. Does that make sense? So anyway, we're going to need some practice. I just want to encourage you. You might want to practice while it's easy. I'm just going to tell you, you do what it, you let the Lord define how he's going to define this. I think I'll probably not go on because they already censored me. They just censor me more. I don't know. I tell you, we got to be conformed. we got to be standing on the word. Because here's another question I've been asking in this hour. Because we have people that we love very close to us. And they've fallen captive to the spirit of the world. And if you try to speak to them, there's anger. I've never seen anything. You know what I'm talking about. It's like this anger rises up. All you're trying to do is tell them the truth. You're not even trying to be bad. You're just trying to tell the truth. But there's anger that rises up. And I'm convinced a lot of it is because instead of conforming people, renewing people by the word of God, a lot of denominational churches renewed them in a politically correct fashion rather than a biblically correct So we're going to have to figure out what to do in all this. But we're going to have to learn to be conformed to the image of God. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to learn to obey God. I believe it was a divine, demonic strategy to get the religious circles in America off the word of God somehow. Does that make sense? That's why I always, I despise when I heard somebody stand up and say, okay, for those of you that need a scripture this morning, I'll give you one. And I always just burn me up. I'm sorry, I'm just repenting. I didn't like it. I know what they're talking about, you know what I mean? They want to share testimonies and stuff. But it's like, okay, we're going to give you guys that have to have a scripture verse, something to appease you this morning, so I can get to my main thing that I've got on my heart. Let me tell you, the main thing is what God says in his heart. The word of the Lord is that which will not return void. Most of what they told us, I don't even remember. Well, what God says, he burned it in my heart and no one will take it from me. Does that make sense? I'm not saying don't tell the stories, don't tell the testimonies. That's part of it. It helps bring to life. But it's the word of our God. And then to have the right stuff. And you've, we've talked about this, but expect to take criticism and take it. Don't back down. Now, this is getting close to Christmas, so you've got to go to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to show you a scripture. Luke chapter 2. You guys still with me this morning? I sure hope somebody is with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 33. Look at this. It's a prophecy of Jesus and Joseph, verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined. Now, there are three things the child would be destined for. Number one, for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And we've seen over Throughout history, there have been those that have risen and those that have fallen. Because he is offensive. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. He's the rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. And those who reject him, usually they end up stumbling. They're offended at him. Either we're going to be offended or we're going to love him, one or the other. Does that make sense? 
Anyway, he's destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Now, if he was a sign to be spoken against, where does that put you and me? It means you will be spoken against. How many of you have ever been spoken against? This won't be the last time. It's part of the calling. It's what Manasseh was telling us about. Sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Taking up that which is lacking in the suffering of Christ. A scripture that is hardly ever preached anymore. And then the last thing in verse 35. Yes, a sword will pierce through his own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so that's what Jesus, that was his destiny. And he was one that was spoken against. So be willing to take the criticism. Leaders, pioneers, those who take the risk, those who step out are going to take the first shots. If I can take them, I think uh, Alex said, if God can use me, he can use you. Well, if I can take the first shots, you can take them too. So we have the right stuff. We're not going to back down. And then the next thing, to have the right stuff, you must be extremely confident in God. Extremely confident. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What is it, the rest of that? For after you've done the will of God, then you will receive the promise. Many want the will of God before they have to walk through. Or they want the promise before they have to walk through and obey the will of God. But we want to walk through. And we want to remain confident. How many of you are less confident in your own ability today than you were five years ago? But you're more confident in God than we've ever been. And he's doing that. He's putting something in us that makes us confident, extremely confident in him. And though we may not always see where we're going, Joshua was called to go where no one had gone before. Abraham went out to a land of which afterward he would would receive as a promise. And so it is confidence in God to lead us. And then the next thing, if you're going to be among those with the right stuff, you will remain calm in the raging of the waves. Remain calm. I'm trying to teach myself that right now. I'm just telling you, that's where I am too. You got to remain calm. And we have a great testimony. Remember, if you don't remember, I'll remind you the story. Was it John Wesley got on the ship, crossing the sea with a bunch of Moravians? The storm breaks out. The ship is tossed to and fro. John Wesley, he's back there probably chewing on his fingernails. You know, I don't know if he's chewing. I just know he's very upset, very worried, very concerned. He looks over at the Moravians on the ship, and the Moravians are just at peace. It's like nothing, no, no big deal. They're calm, cool, confident. And John Wesley was so convicted. He wondered about his own salvation. He said, am I even saved? These guys have what I need. And it was part of his testimony and how God changed him through the example of the Moravians. Now, I know we're not Moravians here, but we're trying to walk in the calling. So that means we're going to be among the most peaceful, the most calm people on the earth. That doesn't mean we can't get riled up at the devil. There's a holy boldness coming and a holy anger coming too. But... There's a calmness deep inside of us that I don't care what storm comes my way. I'm going to sail. I'm going to stay in. I'm going to stay in his boat. I'm going to make it. You're going to make it too. Does that make sense? I'm going to prophesy that over you. You will stay calm. Well, what if some of what they're saying happens? We will stay calm. Because whatever they say, it ain't going to outdo what Jesus told us was coming. Pestilence, earthquakes, famine, wars, rumors of wars, you know, persecution, having your head cut off. I mean, all these things that are in the scripture. How many of you know that? We're going to remain calm. Calm. Now, you may have to remind me of that. 
You know, so David, you remember that day you talked about remaining calm? Somebody's going to have to remain calm here. And then the last thing, if you're going to be among those that have the right stuff, you've got to live, and this is how he gave it, you've got to live in Christ, through Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. That's in your heart. It's like a motto in your spirit. I'm, li- I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. But not only am I in Christ, Christ is living through me. I can do all things, what? Through Christ who strengthens me. And then what did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And then there's so many scriptures about four. What, who's, who's that that said... Uh, Oh, twas one life to live and soon be past. But it's only done, what's done for Christ will last. Something. Is that pretty close? What are you thinking of, Shirley? I'm thinking of that, what they taught me. Twas one life and it'll soon be past. It's only what's done for Christ that will last. In, through, with, and for. And all I can tell you is, Jeremiah had a lot of questions. God, why is the way of the wicked prospering? How come it looks like they're so happy that are dealing so treacherously? They've committed treason. God, can't you see what's happened? Don't you know? And God says to Jeremiah, okay, if you run with the footmen and they've worn you out what are you going to do and the horses can't you see I've been training you so you can run with the footmen and the horses so the horses won't wear you out can't you see I'm working in you to make you a mighty man and a woman that's called and you have, that is of the right stuff in this hour amen? amen so I want to prophesy over you today you got the right stuff say I got the right stuff And I want to pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over everyone in this room, over those that are watching. God, I thank you, Lord, that these have the right stuff for the year 2020 and the year 2021 and 2022 and 23 and 24, Lord, and however long you tarry. But I thank you. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And God, right now I pray in the name of Jesus for a supernatural anointing of courage to come upon your people, Lord, that they will stand, they will be determined, they will be hardened. Lord, standing on that solid rock, I thank you, God, to be strong and courageous for the Lord God is with these everywhere we go. And I thank you, Lord. We are confident. We are extremely confident in you. I thank you, God, that everyone under the sound of my voice listening Lord, that knows Jesus is called for this hour. We have a sense of calling, and we've been chosen because we're those rising up. We're determined to arise and shine in the midst of the darkness and be the people of God. And I give you glory, and I give you honor. And God, I thank you that you are the one that's uprooting the plans of men because the plans of God is that which we will see stand in this hour. Lord, I thank you. It's your word that will prevail over what men are saying, what men have purposed to do. It's the word of our God that will endure forever. And I pray that in your people, Lord. I pray for that resolve. I pray for that determination. I pray for the gift of faith to stand regardless of the storms that would come our way. And I thank you. And I speak peace right now. And I speak calmness in the midst of the storm, in Jesus' name. And everyone would agree with that. Just say amen. Amen. God bless you guys.